So, hello and welcome to the CSF December monthly podcast. Uh, this month, two papers have been uploaded to the CSF website and I'm going to review both of them for you and I hope you'll find them really interesting. Uh, the first paper discusses the pharmacokinetics of fulgotinib uh, and the influence of age and renal impairment and the key author here is Florence Namur from Galapagos. So it's one of the uh, uh, company uh, staff members uh, who have actually been developing fulgotinib. So background that you need to have here, fulgotinib, it's a selective, highly selective JAK1 inhibitor. Remember there are four members of the JAK family, JAK1, 2, 3 and TIC2, but uh, JAK1 selectivity is perceived to potentially add value and that's why fulgotinib is being developed. It's got a major metabolite which actually confers the JAK1 selectivity, uh, but it has a reduced potency of around 19 fold in a human whole blood assay. Now, fulgotinib and its metabolite are eliminated in urine and because of renal excretion and the age of the population intending to be treated uh, by this medicine, it's going to be very important for us un un to understand the effects of age and renal function on pharmacokinetics. And also, uh, we need to understand that impact not only in fulgotinib itself, but also in its major uh, bioactive metabolite. So this is a study that, that examined uh, two groups as follows. They, they, they examined the effect of age conducted in two groups of healthy elderly subjects, 65 to 74 and more than or equal to 75 years of age, and also included a control group of 10 younger subjects, 40 to 50 years of age. So all of you listening to this who are between 40 and 50 years will be delighted to know that you're young. So the effect of um, RI conducted on healthy subjects aged between 80 and 79 years of age with varying degrees of renal impairment, mild uh, six, moderate six, severe three, and a control group consisting of nine subjects. So the other thing you need to recall is that fogotinib is rapidly absorbed post-dose and its PK has been shown to be linear over the range of 50 to 200 milligrams. And in this study, the PK of fogotinib and its metabolites were evaluated following fogotinib 100 milligram QD doses for 10 days. Liquid chromatography, tandem mass spectrometry, uh, assays determined fulgotinib and its metabolite plasma and urine concentrations. So the key results, well, when we think first of all about age, fulgotinib plasma concentrations reached steady state by the second dosing day. Metabolite steady state was attained within four dosing days. That's important to remember when we think about efficacy. Fulgotinib and its metabolite exposure were moderately higher, 1.4 and 1.33 fold respectively, in subjects more than or equal to 75 compared with younger subjects. Now, with respect to renal impairment, uh, steady state fulgotinib concentrations in plasma were reached by day two in all renal function groups. Metabolite steady state plasma concentrations were reached within uh, day three to five range and severe renal impairment indicated a marked effect on metabolite exposure 2.74 fold as well as its elimination parameters. So overall, I, I think we can conclude that age and mild to moderate renal impairment had a limited impact on the PK of fulgotinib or indeed its metabolite. With severe renal impairment, the exposure to fulgotinib metabolite was uh, significantly elevated. Now note this study used fulgotinib 100 milligrams QD. Uh, the phase three Finch studies used 200 milligrams QD. And we need to think about these findings when determining doses for patients with varying age and renal function going forward.
Now let me turn to the second paper. I'd like to highlight this month. It's a study investigating the effects of tofacitinib on lymphocytes in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And the key author here is Professor Ronald van Vollenhoven from Amsterdam. Now, tofacitinib is a JAK1, JAK3 inhibitor. It has been associated with an increased risk of infection. Altered site counts and increased infection rates have been reported in people with rheumatoid treated with JAK inhibitors in general and indeed with tofacitinib. And this study sought to evaluate the effects of tofa on absolute lymphocyte counts, lymphocyte subset counts and infection rates in people with rheumatoid arthritis and I guess to look at whether there was a relationship there. Absolute lymphocyte changes were assessed in short and long term. The short term oral standard 12 months in 717 patients and oral start 24 months in 958 methotrexate naive patients and long-term evaluated using pool data from tofacitinib studies across the entire duration of tofa exposure. Now the LSC changes were assessed in short, mid and long term. The short term three phase two studies 1.5 to 6 months, mid-term vaccine substudy the oral sequel uh, tofacitinib 10 milligrams note, median 22 months exposure, and long-term lymphocyte substudy oral sequel tofacitinib 5 or 10 milligrams and a median here of 50 months exposure. So the, the, the primary objective of the study was to characterize the short, mid and long-term effects of tofa treatment on absolute lymphocyte counts and uh, LSCs, the, the subsets. And additionally, to assess if treatment cessation reverses any of the ALC and LSC changes observed, and also to look at the association of infection rates in tofacitinib-treated patients upon uh, interacting with absolute lymphocyte count or uh, lymphocyte subset counts. And finally, to elucidate the value of monitoring these subsets in addition to absolute lymphocyte counts to mitigate the risk of infection. Now, an initial increase in ALC was observed after treatment initiation, which gradually declined following the first month of treatment, reaching a steady rate by around 48 months. After treatment discontinuation, 93% of patients recovered ALCs greater than or equal to 500 cells per millimeter cubed after a median time of three to six weeks. Low absolute lymphocyte counts, that's less than 500 cells per millimetre cubed, was generally associated with a higher instance of serious infectious episodes and herpes zoster in particular. There was no strong association observed between LSCs and serious infectious events or herpes zoster. The implications I think we draw here are that low absolute lymphocyte counts generally confer an increased risk of serious infectious events. There was no strong correlation between CD4, CD8 T-cell counts and these infectious events. Absolute lymphocyte count monitoring alone appears to be adequate to assess infection risk. And this data supports current labelling recommendations that TOF initiation is not recommended in patients with absolute lymphocyte counts less than 500 cells per millimetre cubed. Uh, those developing an ALC less than 500 during treatment are recommended to temporarily discontinue tofacitinib therapy and restart 5 milligrams QD with continued monitoring once the absolute lymphocyte count is greater than 500 has been reached. Well, I hope that's been helpful. Please don't forget that all the content discussed in this podcast is available in more detailed slide format in the publication section of the cytokinesignaling.com. Uh, and please subscribe to our podcast channel and let us know what you think by reviewing our podcasts. 
Uh, we will hopefully provide you an ongoing service to update you on the literature, tell you why we think it's important. And I really do hope that's helpful to you in directing your clinical practice. Thanks very much indeed for your attention.